second part of my talk with Luna Ma Narama. And if you missed the first part, go and check that out. That was uh, episode 31. This happens to be episode 32, mm, part one and part two, back to back, juicy. And yeah, so in this half of the talk, we get down into the artist's way and look at all the different tools, which, well, actually the main tools uh, that that book puts forth as tools to be used for creative rediscovery and creative unblocking. So I hope you enjoy the episode and yeah, here it is. So uh, it feels inherent to the creative journey that there are stumbling blocks and obstacles to overcome along the way. And our previous conversation in this arena was... Mm. Um, the artist way did come up. Yeah. And what brought you to that book initially? I had the book floating around for a really long time. My dad actually got the book first. And in total truth, I think I bought my dad the book years and years ago, maybe six or seven years ago, and gave it to him because he was just coming through a creative awakening himself. He was very unhappy in his life and in a desperate bid to find something that would be good for him, we bought him life drawing classes as a birthday present. Uh, And now that we're probably 10, maybe we're like eight or nine years after that and now dad's a um, a novelist and a painter who has exhibited several times in Australia and and France. He's very happy. He's a much happier human now that he's actually allowed to be the artist that he is. Wow. <laughs> um, what was he doing before that? He was a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> An unhappy lawyer. <laughs> Up until what age? Was that his main? Uh, he would have been in his late 50s. Okay. Late 50s. Um, How, um, quite a lot of the great painters, uh, particularly yeah, great European painters, didn't start until their 60s or 70s. And I can't remember the names, but there's a couple of... There's a couple in particular who didn't start until their 70s and produced their best work in the late 70s. So it's never too late, never too late to get into it, never too late to listen. And the thing with that was that it came about from dad being such a great drawer when we were little kids. And I, I remembered and was talking to my brother about how dad was always the one we would go to if we had a project or if we'd written a story and we wanted a front cover for a book, dad would be the one to draw it. And he was fabulous with drawings and fabulous with storytelling. And then all that just went away. It had no place to, to express. And he went through a terrible period of depression. Uh, and it was just, it was very grim and very hard for the whole family. And when we were trying to think of something that we could possibly give him that might help steer him in the right direction. Uh, yeah, we thought of life drawing classes at the time. I was doing a lot of life drawing anyway. So we did the classes together. That was the, the idea was that we'd both do it. It would be great. And six weeks into the class, Uh, He was ahead of the kids who were in there building their folios that they were putting forward for major unis um, and things, much to everyone's horror Um, (laughs) and everyone's annoyance. Um, So I bought it for him and I don't think he ever read it. I think he read the introduction and it just sat on the shelf. So I was conscious of it for a really, really long time. Uh, But you'd read it before? You just knew about it? No, I just saw it on the bookshelf at the Blue Buddha, I think, and um, thought it would be a good gift. 
And yeah, I don't think he ever read it. And so it was always in my consciousness and it was just because, uh, as it often is the case when something is important, it got reflected back to me a few different times by different people. I had probably three or four friends say to me in the course of a couple of months, oh, have you seen The Artist's Way? I think you'd really like that. Um, And so I actually listened after enough times uh, and thought I, I was at a place where I was ready to do some rigorous work around my creative practice. I'd just come back from traveling around Australia, um, running a lot of shamanic drum journeys, spending a lot of time out in nature and connecting with myself and connecting with the land, but not writing very much at all. And uh, I felt that I needed to really address whatever that was, whatever that hesitation or blockage was. Um, and it was causing me a lot of unhappiness not writing. And I happened to go to Melbourne to do a writing residency in the Dananongs for seven weeks or so. Uh, and so I started it just before I got there and spent most of the time I was there plumbing the depths of my creative practice and psyche. Um, that's, that's out in the country in Melbourne. Yeah, right? it's up in the hills. It's really beautiful. Yeah. It's only about an hour from Melbourne. Um, up in really beautiful old growth forest, incredible big cockatoos and deep green trees and big rolling thunder and heavy rain. It's just, it's so beautiful. Um, Perfect environment to be all rugged up inside with a heater and a pot of tea, uh, you know, writing out what happened when you're in eighth grade art class (laughs) or all the things you love that could be artist dates. Uh, And it just sort of, um, I guess it unfolded from there. And I think what the thing with the artist way is that it's sort of this practice in, in remembering um, recovering recovering a, a sense of awareness of the complexity of the human that you are and the experience that you've been through. Mm. We shorten stuff so easily. Uh, even I've just found just the last couple of days rewriting my CV for an application, I, I'd just completely forgotten things. I forgot, the, I forgot a performance art piece I was involved in last year mm. and it was just because it was one photo and I thought, what was, oh, that's from that. Oh, I didn't put that in my CV. You know, I just so conveniently shorten every experience and it's so nice to have a practice where you have to unfold it all mm. yeah just for for those listening um yeah. i realize there would will be people that don't have any idea about what the artist way is yes correct do you feel like summarizing yeah sure uh okay so the artist way uh is a 12 week program in a book that is about uh uncovering your creative capabilities Um, and also your creative style, I would suggest, Uh, and also your sort of the heart of who you are. Mm. So it takes you through um, a series of regular practices, um, things like morning pages, which is where you do three three pages of free flow writing every morning as soon as you wake up, like a great big brain dump, Uh, and you do a couple of tasks every week around different things and you move through different um, different exercises and different stages through the book. And you also take yourself on artist dates where you go and do something that inspires you once a week. Mm. Those are really fun. No, oh, they're so fun. And also interestingly, really challenging to make yourself go to sometimes. And I think that's one of the most interesting things in the artist way process is watching where you resist stuff yeah. when it's something you've chosen to do. No one's making you do the artist's way. Mm. And all of a sudden, you know, you're not going on your artist dates and you haven't gone on your artist dates for three weeks and you keep pretending like you're going to go and you never actually go. And you think, what am I doing? Why am I avoiding going to a play or going to the beach? What am I doing? It's such an interesting thing to watch yourself resist stuff and watch yourself throw up obstacles. And, and uh, particularly when you're doing tasks, some of the tasks are so uncomfortable because you have to uncover things and mm. tell, you, tell yourself the truth about things. Um, and that can be very hard. 
we're so good at distracting ourselves from those kinds of things. And also it gets very hard to, uh, I have to convince myself again and again that it's okay to say certain things. And I love that Julia Cameron talks at the beginning of the book about, obviously the pages are just for the writing. They're not for the thinking about Mm -hmm. or the reviewing. Uh, They're just for the expression. And that was a really hard thing for me to learn that it was okay to whinge, (laughs) to whinge about things or not like stuff. They said that thing yesterday and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I think that was stupid. It's a hard thing for me to to allow myself to do, to express the less attractive emotions. Mm. Um, Why do you think that was? I don't know. It's a bit of a, a, bit of a big question, but because uh, I remember going through that as well. Like, Actually, for me, it was a little bit different where I would be writing and... Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, there was a brief, oh, it wasn't so brief, it was a good first two years of uni. I, was, mm. I did a film degree and um, I wanted to be a, a screenwriter and I was really serious about writing. I took yeah. all the writing units and was like, let's do this. Mm. So when it came time for The Artist's Way, I started The Artist's Way after the uni degree, but I still had this mode in my head like what I'm writing has to be in the style of the other stuff I've read that is professional. Like it comes straight from a movie script or a, you know, a best-selling novel. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I would just trip myself up and just like stagnate and be like, I I can't do this because I'm like, you you never open with the great work. You have to work your way up to the great work. Mm. You have to create a lot of trash, a lot of terrible art. It's a wonderful thing about bad art, bad writing, bad films. Um, in some ways, it's a quantities game, the way I feel about it. You know, in order to get to great poems, I have to write a lot of bad poems. And that's like been the way that it's been for everybody in every practice. But it's so hard to give yourself permission to make the bad art because you want to create the good art because you know you're capable of the good art. Mm. You've got the good ideas, mm. but you just haven't regressed enough through the process. And the only way to get to that place is making the bad art. Mm. And it's not like you're sitting down and like, cool, I'm going to make the shit now. No. You, yeah. You're just sitting down and... Doing the best uh, you can do. Yeah, and allowing yourself to express whatever's inside you with the skills yeah. and the awareness that you have. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And it's one of those things, there's this really great line that I can never remember and I'm going to have to Google it because it's been driving me crazy for months. And it's something like um, every, every poem that you write leaves the last smacking of juvenilia. Um, and it's so it's so spot on it's like every time you write something new every time you make the next thing all of a sudden that becomes the absolute bottom line that becomes the very least you can do and all your work before that all of a sudden looks really subpar um always having to you know always having to level up and it's very tricky particularly when you're sharing stuff i found that that was one of the challenges it's sharing regularly enough that you don't hold back because it's been too long if you leave something too long all of a sudden you think it's embarrassing or shameful Mm. when it was the very best thing you could do two months ago you know or six months ago it might have been the best thing and it might have taken you four years to make that thing but if you don't share it straight away six months or a year's time it will be embarrassing and it'll just sit on a shelf nobody will ever see it yeah i've done that so much like yeah it's really easy to do yeah Yeah. i think the main uh thing that kept me in that cycle was sort of it has to be perfect or it has to be like the best and i you know the best that's the thing so painful to be in that space yeah it's awful because it means that um already you're in sort of a a, a, 
like a difficult relationship with yourself and a difficult relationship with your work. You're placing these expectations on your work to meet some kind of standard um, that's impossible because the, the thing is, and, and it's counterintuitive, it's in the wrong direction. In order to make something really fucking fabulous, you have to be being really vulnerable mm. and totally honest and, and not really thinking about whether it's going to turn into the most powerful thing you've done, whether it will be the work that in 20 years' time people will say, yeah, but did you see his blah? You know, yeah. it's the only way to create that work is to be right in it. Mm. I feel like Nick Cave does a fabulous job of that, mm. really fabulous job of just feeling wherever he is and expressing that in whatever way it is. And sometimes that means things don't fit together and sometimes that means that things aren't as strong. But, I mean, that's the thing is – you have a lifetime, you have a whole body of work and we're unpredictable, complex creatures, humans. Yeah. It's unrealistic for us to consider that we're going to have um, a nice, uh, well put together body of work that suggests one particular tone or one particular style. I mean, if you look at painters through any period, they develop and their styles change significantly, yeah. you know, decade to decade. Um, look at someone like Peter Max. So Peter Max did the background design of the stage at Woodstock. I don't know if you've ever seen that picture or those sort of, it's amazing if you ever see. He does these big sort of elongated humanoid kind of bird creature things and beautiful psychedelic planets, all kinds of stuff, really synonymous with that period of time. If you were to see the pictures, it would immediately evoke that period of time for you. It's, he did a lot of poster design, background at Woodstock, all those things. But if you jump ahead 20, 25 years in his practice, he's painting these big, um, bold, primary colours portraits and things. Completely different style. Equally valuable, mm. just a completely different style, completely different audience as well. Mm. Um, but imagine if he'd tried to hold on to that thing he was doing at the beginning, he would have never got to the thing that he was doing at the end. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. It's tricky, it, it? As you were talking, like, I keep coming back to this sense, like, we, when we were putting this structure on ourselves prematurely, mm. when we're, we're stepping outside of the moment every time we're like, yeah, I'm making this thing, but is it like, is it like the people I admire? Does it fit? Yeah. Or is this consistent with my previous mm. work? And every time it's like, we're stepping, taking ourselves out of that moment and projecting ourselves into the past or into the future. Yeah. And as soon as we do that, I think we're less intimately connected with the creative um, flow or that, that yeah, sort of absolutely. impulse. I mean, that's, that's what I'm talking about when I say bad art. I should clarify about bad art because I, ha I have a thing about bad art because I love it. Um, and when I say bad art, what I really mean is um, creating work without any attachment. It's just about the making. It's not about the outcome. Uh, and it's something that a group of my close friends and I, we, we bandy that phrase around bad art with each other when we hear each other getting stuck with things. And we say, you know, just put some paper down on the floor and make some bad art. Because yeah. there's nothing so satisfying as making a bunch of stuff and then just putting it in the bin because it's rubbish. Because it reminds you that that's the whole point. Like the outcome is irrelevant. It's the creation that matters. Yeah. It's feeling it, making it. Who cares what happens afterwards? Yeah. Um, but that's that balance thing again, right? And we kind of need to strengthen that sense of the creation so that the so that then later we can trick ourselves and actually put it somewhere without it stifling anything in the future that's trying to come through. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's like our default. It's like we're really strong on the on the um, the 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 where should I put this? Yeah. But the flow, I feel like the flow is more 
um, stagnant. Yeah. And I think it really helps when you're um, sort of looking at creative practice to be talking about like what it is you have to say, what it is that really matters to you and what it is that matters to you personally. That's kind of going into that. What is the complex and unique creature that you are with your experiences? What have you experienced and what do you personally have to say from that mm. experience? Um, because that's where the, that's where the real gold of it comes from. Uh, and it's that, yeah, it's the value of like what you actually have to say that nobody else can say, because it's really important that you say that. And even if it might feel really mundane to you, if what you have to say is something about, I don't know, suburban Australia, or, I mean, if this is the weird thing is that everyone thinks their things are mundane, even when their things are, you know, living in an exotic jungle, yeah. you know, or whatever, living on a boat on the Seine in Paris, everyone thinks what they do is completely normal. And that's, that's the thing, right? <laughs> Uh, everything is everything is of inherent value and every story is equally important mm. and it all has to be it all has to be said mm. that's why there's the urge to create um i'm trying to figure out how it fits in seems completely ridiculous sometimes because you're like how can this possibly be in of interest to anybody yeah. you're like actually sometimes stories about backyards are really important look at sean tan for example sean tan stuff um completely fantastical but completely grounded in what to some people would seem like a really mundane reality in the suburbs of perth in the height of summer and yet incredible and unlike anything else and everybody loves it sure yeah i think hmm getting a sense of what that flow is for yourself. Like I'm getting a little bit tired right now, but <laughs> we do. we're, so, doing so well. we're doing amazing. We're so good. <laughs> <laughs> We've both had a huge day. So yeah. Pat on the back. We're being real champions right now. The morning pages came up for me as a, like you reminded me of, of that as a tool to just express, just mm. to make, not for the outcome, not outcome driven at all. Yeah. It's just tuning into that moment yeah. and writing, 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 writing. Yeah. I feel that is what the morning pages is all about. Yeah, and other the value of it comes from. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's right. And, yeah. and also emptying all the stuff out yes. as well. We build up so much stuff just even the course of a day and a night. So much waffle going on in the head. And it's all um, – I was just talking to someone about it um, before actually, uh, talking about how – a lot of the stuff is subconscious and you don't notice it until it's on the page. You don't notice that you've been saying the same thing about how you want to do this or you need to do this and you've been saying it for a week to yourself until you've written about it every morning for a week. And then you think, hmm, this thing's really important. I need to do this thing. And you wouldn't think that those things are tied together, but sort of the creative practice and like an email that you haven't written or a phone call you that you haven't made, but, mm. but they are. They're all directly related because they're all about, I suppose, um, space space in the mind, um, action, action based from feeling. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. expression, like we, we're talking yeah. about creative expression here, but yeah, I get the sense right now that isn't all of life, even us just moving, talking, moving our mouths well, I mean, we were talking and expression about the little things, right. And how nice it would be to have a day where you do all the little things that you don't notice are things that are really important to you, but they in fact are, for example, washing your car, mm when your cars need to be washed. For example, my car hasn't had any water in the windscreen wiper thingy for about a week. It's been driving me crazy. It's a little thing, but that's a perfect example of having a feeling and taking an action to remedy the feeling. Uh, and I suppose if you're out of practice of that, it's much harder to do, but when you're in the flow of it, it's very easy. Mm. There's like a momentum almost. 
It is a momentum thing. And I think that's the thing with the pages as well. It's about the practice, you know, when people start the artist way at the beginning. And I remember um, that it was for me and certainly talking to someone who's just started recently, same for them. Uh, when you start, the pages can be a real slog. It can be really hard to get three pages out and you want to stop at one page and you want to stop at one and a half page and two pages and two and a half pages. And every time you get to three pages, you think, oh, I'm such a hero. Oh, my yes. God, I did it. I did it. Um, and then as you get further and further through the process, you start looking forward to it and you wake up in the morning and think, oh, yes, thank God I have the pages. Just like get it all out. Mm. Um, and then the more you get in the flow, the easier it is and the more you're doing something and something comes to you and the easier it is to write it down in your journal, the easier it is to make a note, the easier it is to get up and go do something straight away, the easier it is to, to follow that impulse. It's like the connection gets stronger and stronger, the, the volume gets turned up and up and up the more you listen. Yeah. It becomes easier to hear, yeah. And I, I, you notice these themes in in the in your own flows yeah. of expressions, yeah. like whoa, I I really like describing atmospheres or yeah. talking about emotions. I think that's part of it, though, as well. Is that it's about coming to know what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. Uh, I found that I found the the converse um, really powerful. I found that a lot of what I was engaged in, in my life was really boring the shit out of me. <laughs> I was really stunned to find how bored I was. Uh, and I think that was the, the predominant emotion for me um, through the first, the first while as I was going through Artist Ways. I couldn't believe how many things I, would do, I was doing that I just wasn't interested in, how many social things I was going through that were giving me nothing, um, how many times when I was sitting down with people to watch a film and choosing a film, I chose a film that gave me nothing, how many times I chose an afternoon where the things were things that I felt I should do that gave me nothing, just a lot of boredom going on. And I thought, I have a pattern here of not, asking myself what I need in this moment. Uh, and that was definitely playing into everything. I feel the, the artist... <laughs> the, <laughs> I see both being so tired. <laughs> yeah. We can, we can wrap this up. Yeah. Like, when, yeah, when we're like, okay, enough. But, um, but we start making no sense. I feel like we're so close. We are close. Yeah. But <laughs> I have still have some sense left. Okay. And I feel that tuning it like the the other tool that mm. you take through the whole 12 weeks of the artist's way yeah is the artist's date yeah and that requires you to really tune into yourself and ask yourself what do i want to do mm. with these few hours i've dedicated to just spend with myself what brings you alive what's going to bring you alive in these few hours wow. that's what's so revolutionary about it is it's not the things that you necessarily think you know maybe you want to spend an afternoon baking Maybe you want to spend time in a bookshop. Yeah, just, just browsing, not even... Just browsing, yeah, not even buying anything. Yeah. Maybe you just want to go for a walk in an area you've never walked in before. I think that's what... I, I spent one of my first artist dates, which was wonderful, and I loved it. I spent a whole afternoon drinking tea and reading um, a bunch of like literary journals that I had accumulated and never looked at. I just sat down and spent you know, four hours drinking tea and reading. I loved it. It was wonderful. Um, and I think that's the thing, that's that giving yourself permission. Um, because it is kind of a conversation with yourself as well, you know, yeah, yeah. saying to yourself, you know, hi, me, what do you need right now? Yeah, totally. And, uh, and honouring that. On, yeah. And honouring that, because why, why would you respond to that question if the answer wasn't honoured? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, to me, it makes a lot of sense to think about it like a friendship with any other Absolutely. person. Absolutely. You know, if, yep. if you've got a friend who's... No, if you're always asking your friend, hey, how, like, how are you doing? Yeah. And they say something to you and you just completely ignore it. Yeah. 
that friend's going to feel like crap and not really going to yeah. want to hang out anymore and yeah, not really right. feel like you care about them. Yeah. So the, the, the relationship, the connection and that thing will be quite thin, quite superficial. Yeah. But when you really start, you know, really take the time to listen and, and you're asking this question from, from a place of curiosity and, and I guess of genuine caring and of care. care. Yeah. It's the care I think mm. is really important. Mm. Um, and, you know, people say that thing, you know, treat yourself like a child, put yourself to bed, have a nap, you know. Um, and I do feel that in the times where I get really caught up in my head, sometimes I have to treat myself like that. I have to say, all right, it's bedtime now. It's not going to help you sitting up here at one in the morning. You need to go to bed and uh, you need to go to the beach today. I'm just going to bundle you up in the car. I'm going to take you to the beach. You're going to have a nice walk and you're going to feel much better. Um and I think that's really important because, uh, I mean, that's the thing when it comes to creativity. So when you're doing art therapy with people, I really feel that for the most part, everyone has those creative urges. Everyone had those creative urges. And the more you ignore the urge, the quieter and quieter the urge gets until the urge goes away. And then instead of feeling a clear urge to do something, you just feel a sense of discomfort. Um, and a sense of displacement and eventually a sense of anxiety. Uh, and because I feel like those things are still in there. Um, the other day I was hanging out with someone and we didn't have anything to do and we were both feeling a bit kind of meh about the world. Um, and so I so said, we just get out a bunch of paints and we just watercolored stuff and that just made things better. And it's just kind of just do something, just kind of get it out a little bit. Um, and we just don't have those things accessible to us in a, in a contemporary Western adult world. You know, no one's walking around an office building saying, you know, how are you feeling today? Do you need some crayons? You need to just scribble some shit out. Do you want a finger paint? Do you want to fucking kick the wall a little bit? What do you want to do? <laughs> you want to dance? I'll put on some heavy metal. Do what you like. Like, just shake it out of your body. No one's doing that. No. <laughs> um, but I feel like somewhere inside, all those urges are still there. You know, as, as a teenager, as an early adult, you have this, this urge to express. And I used to see that heaps, particularly when I was really flamboyant in the way that I dressed the most common conversation I had, the conversation I had with people maybe 10 times a week, every week, every week of the year for many, many years was, oh, you look so fabulous. I wish I was brave enough to dress like you. Mm. And that always seemed so outrageous to me because what that indicated to me was I was walking around in a world of adults who felt a way internally that they weren't reflecting externally in in such a, to such a strong extent that they didn't feel like they had permission. Mm. There wasn't the space for them to be who they were inside. Mm. Um, and what a terrible thing to have to swallow, that need to express. Mm. And kids just do it all over the place. Kids express rampantly, just with their vocal cords and their fists and their feet and by banging things and painting things and spitting things. And they're just in permanent state of expression. Mm. Um, and obviously that changes over time as your priorities shift, but that, that urge is still in there somewhere. Um, it's just really hard to hear if you don't give it voice. And that's why I suppose that the morning pages are so good. And those practices of the tasks that come up where, you know, you list 20 things you like to do. Mm. I mean, who knew that I had 23 things that I like to do that didn't really have much to do with art at all. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, actually I really like bike, baking pies. I did that once. I loved it. I would love to bake pies. I love horse riding. I like making sandcastles. I love making sandcastles. When does that come up? Never. 
know? It's so interesting. I keep seeing the, the, like, creativity is just infused into life. Like, it is life. Well, it's a creative. It's literally a creative universe. Mm. I mean, the universe is creative in the way that it problem solves in, in everything, in the way that it creates all the all the things, mm. um, in biology. I mean, the way that trees grow is creative. Mm. You know, mm. Mm. creative problem solving going on around us all of the time. Mm. It's like in yeah, just built into the yeah the the essence of everything. The fabric of existence, right? Mm. I mean, that's the thing. And we often forget just to look at really simple things, like what a human looks like. We are weird-looking things. This is a really weird expression of something, you know, long gangly arms and yeah. hair and teeth and a nose and stuff. It's really strange. Yeah. Very creative. Very. <laughs> Very and, creative, yeah. I think we forget maybe that's what the artist way is uh, good for, yeah. is remembering that we're not just... Like I think we so easily label thing label things and just project these structures on it's like we just I'm, what I'm trying to say is we lose this connection with nature with our natural state and yeah. also the world around us. Well, it's the expectation. And I think also that comes from labels as well. You know, talk about language limiting and creating labels, and that's what happens when we take that away from being when you're a kid. You just think what you're doing is being a human, and as you get older, what you get told is that you're making art. Mm. And that's a very different thing. And people often say, oh, I'm not creative, but, or I, I'm not an artist, but, um, as though this is something that's separate from them and not just the thing that they do innately. There's no way for you not to live creatively. Mm. You make creative choices every day. The way that you put food on your plate is a creative choice. The way you do your hair is a creative choice. The order in which you dry your body after the shower is a creative choice. Mm. It's literally impossible for you not to be creative. And it's so easy to forget that that creativity exists in every single expression of your existence. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we leave it there. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap it up? No. Okay. <laughs> That's very final. Yeah. <laughs> I searched. There was nothing there. <laughs> Dude, I think I think I'm empty as well. Yeah, I think we it's did been good. A big day. I think we can just rest. Yeah. Chill. Re re-energize. Yeah. Feel the well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Luna. Thanks for talking with me. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Thank you for talking with me. <laughs> just as a final thing, if people are interested in checking out some of your poetry, yeah. where can they go to find that? They can go to www lunamanarama.com and narama is n-a-r-a-m-a -A. okay i'll include a link to that cool in the show notes so sure. people can just like if they're listening they're like okay go find it click yeah and i'll be checking your stuff out thanks very much ben no <laughs> i knew it was going to be an energizing and inspiring talk we did pretty well i'm proud of us Ha, ha, ha.